3: To Chante le he greetings and good day and welcome, my relatives. I shake your hands with good feelings in my heart. It's good for all of us to be here. This is First Voices Radio, and I send you greetings and strength from the east gate of Turtle Island, where the sun and the water touch the earth at once. And I'm Teokas and Ghost Horse, and you are listening to an all-native hosted all-native produced First Voices Radio. Now, in its 29th year broadcasting, and Liz Hill is the producer of First Voices Radio. You can hear us on iTunes, Apple Podcast, Buzzsprouts, Spotify, as well as First Voices Indigenous for archives. And George Nuku, our guest, is an artist from Aoteora, or commonly referred to in the modern times as New Zealand, as Aoteora is throughout its continuance in the modern times. And he is of the Maori nation and of Scottish and German descent, has been a full time practitioner of arts for thirty five years, and for the last twenty years of art practicing he has been he has spent globally ranging from the world's prestigious art institutions and treasure houses throughout through to communities of all ethnicities and socioeconomic statuses. George has created more than 100 projects to date, including the British Museums and National Museums of Scotland, Museum of Geneva, Museum of Anthropology in Vancouver, British Columbia, Museum of Contemporary Art in Taiwan, United Nations Forum of Indigenous Peoples, and Bau Cultural Center in Numiya. New Caledonia, and many more. George carries the thousands-of-year-old art traditions of his ancestors that promise to both expand life and enhance survival. And in this interview, George Nuku discusses his journey, ranging from children to the elders to the ancestors, the concepts of time, practicality with earth throughout his art carvings, to the political aspects of working at the United Nations in the early 2000s. So we talk about the importance of indigenous peoples who were largely ignored by the dominant societies. And if it weren't for previous generations who didn't need the dominant societies and being noticed by Mother Earth, let alone modern day society, the Maori nation culture is vibrant, up to date, never archaic as many indigenous peoples' thoughts and ways of living with the earth and and this episode, we go to George Nuku, and we begin this interview, and we'll be back. This is Teokasen Ghost Horse and First Voices Radio. This is George Nuku. Just good to, to see you, and it's, it's an honor to talk to you with all your travelings throughout the world, and I think the listeners would want to hear is, hear a journey of how Indigenous people, I wouldn't say make it in the world, but how Indigenous people bring awareness and aliveness to the rest of the world. We are so needed even today, as we were saying back in 2003, why aren't they listening to us? And if they do listen to us, are they really hearing us in a good way rather than the way they want to hear us? Let's talk about how we met back at the United Nations. Yeah,
0: I guess I should start by saying um, saying that coming to New York, on the basis of my uh, my art, my art practice, kind of like a flying carpet, you could say that, mm. that uh, as a person practicing art, like I'm, I'm 57 years old now and I've been a full-time practitioner for 35 years. And like you said, in, in those early 2000s, what was that time of my life where some doors opened for me to, to come to New York and present my work and, and I met you and it was a, uh, a big experience for me because I I felt like I had come to a sort of a, an epicenter, you could say, an epicenter where there were first peoples from from the top to the bottom of the Americas uh, e- engaging with Uncle Sam and and being in that arena and that platform of New York as a as a crossroad to um, not only voice their respective um, positions but also to meet and, and create solidarity. And you know, which is kind of like what family does. You you see your cousins, and you you feel they're family. Obviously, with First Peoples, it's 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 still real. You could say, you know, that that we are we're, we're related to each other. We, we we have genealogies. We celebrate that. It's just a the human component of our greater relationship with everything else, with every other thing on that as so We walk on our mother's back, and and our dad's above us. You know, it's like that, and how. How I remember those days of meeting you, and I'm this, you know, I'm this um I'm this fresh eyed guy from the colonies, man. You know, from uh fr- from the British Empire, you know. <laughs> you know, and uh and I and and I I have to be honest, I um you feel your you feel your colonization when you go to another universe. You feel how British you are. you feel the dual the dual kind of binary thing you've got of being a Māori. And being colonized by a Great Britain, you know, you feel it because that's what you are. It's like meeting you and all the other people, and it was like, but the DVD's got a different menu, you know. There's um, people are speaking Spanish, and and uh, and, and they're speaking uh, with a, with an American tonation, and and on top of that, you are like the older siblings to us, and you've been through this for five hundred years. We're we're in it for two hundred. So we're, we're we're you know we're like you in the year eighteen hundred, you could say, in in some ways, and we are still kind of half believing we're free. And for me to meet the older brothers and, and see what it, what it's like to be in this for five centuries, what it does to you, eh? How you how you live with it, how we all are a kind of at different points along the trapeze um the trapeze rope. You know, we're all like these trapeze artists. Balancing between directing the changes and being directed by the changes. And we're this kind of, you know, we're, we're kind of walking on this trapeze, right? And balancing between being agents of the changes and being victims of the changes. And how we can reconcile the, and all of us knowing how far we've come. And how, how much our old people, what it cost. What, you know, what it cost, how they what they did so that we could be in that situation of seeing each other again and saying, Hey man, it's good to see you again. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what took you so long, George? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and you guys have got your own kind of special kind of way of, of laughing at, laughing at the genocide, laughing with the genocide, you know, like, uh, the sense of humor is, is, is it's, there's so much behind it. When, 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 when you guys say to someone like me, you know, and, and it stays in me, eh, man? You, you guys say things like, you know, Georgia, I used to complain a lot until my grandmother came along and said, get off your cross. We need the wood. <laughs> and, and now I don't complain so much. And, you know, for me, that's just like, wow, that's, you feel that you feel the psychic door of time and space and distance kind of collapsing there, you know, and meeting like that. And like I said, in in, in New York, we were all converging there, you know, we were all, and then we're in that, we're in that edifice, you know, of the UN and we're being, you know, and we're being patted down by the guards and going through the security and, you know, the whole deal. And, and, and then you see all the peoples of the world with their aspirations coming with with these pieces of paper in their hands Dashing around from corridor to corridor, photocopying each other's um, to support each other's um, declarations and and, and and agendas, and it's a kind of like a revolution with photocopy machine. You know, it's a kind of a paper paper dreams, dreams on paper. You know, and then you you know you you're questioning. Ultimately, you're questioning like does does change really happen? It's kind of surreal. You feel like you're making a difference, and then you're just looking at this big machine and going, but it does it and I mean, I, I, I I'm, I'm in another category because I, I, I got this kind of role of I'm an artist, you know. So I'm there to, I'm there to like present my art. I can sort of, in the name of art, I can get away with murder, so to speak, you know. I'm, I'm the guy who makes art, you know. I'm not politician. I'm art guy, you know. And, and how, and how at the same time we all, we will remember though that in our worlds the people who made the art were at the center of the wheel and the people who make the music and the songs and the stories and the art are the people who make, they're the axis mundi, they're the pivot that turns the world. They're responsible for making sure the world turns, you know, uh, that everything's turning. And, and people often say, Oh, Oh, you are to say, you think the world revolves around you. Yeah, (laughs) that's our job. (laughs) And how, and after the big changes, we we run. You know, we are like uh, no longer in the hub, but we on the on the rim of the wheel. We pushed out to the periphery, and uh, and the people in the centre are the are the people wearing you know the, the bureaucrats of our tribes, the people who who wear suits and ties and all these. For me, all these dynamics are all you know they're all present because I'm in New York, and it's just a place where there's all these dreamers and revolutionaries of all all the different coloured strands of the rope, you know, this this rope of humanity that that we kind of braiding together to make from these different strands of who we are, and but we all we all come from mum and dad, you know, we're all coming from mum and dad, and I couldn't I can never ever forget you, Tjokosand in those times, man, you know, like can never forget, man, that you play your music and you invite me to play my music with you, and we and and we we make those. Uh, you know, those harmonics, you know, those, those vibrations, and it's, it's it's the language of nature, bro.
3: It's so deep, and you know, you describe a whole time that was so short, but yet deep, and it made a, an impression, as you say, upon all those who participated at the United Nations back in 2003, and yeah. yet it's ongoing all this time. And you yes. talk about change, George, and when I think about the change, what made us all to arrive at that time from our backgrounds? I started on a reservation, you can say economically poor, but culturally rich in sure. our language, in our thoughts coming from the earth, where the earth doesn't lie, so our language doesn't lie, yet we come into a place where the deception is the language we speak yeah. now. And now you're out in in the world, and you came from what is it, the South Island or North Island of? of in the Museum? North Island, in the North Island on the East Coast, out yeah, of Aotearo, from a village,
0: moved moved from a village to a housing project in the city, a government multi housing project, and and then and then from there, you know, gravitated to a bigger city because I was looking for opportunities with my art, and then I and then I grew my wings and started, you know, seemed seemed to kind of the, the The wilderness, my forest, you
3: could say. The first Maori I met was in 93 in Hawaii. And and the Kanaka Ma'oli, your your cousins. And we shared our creation stories. And one of those creation stories was we came from the Pleiades, that area. And we came and we met. And now we're moving that energy so that the world turns, as you say. And that's Mm. what's necessary today. And you talk about your art Yet you say it's non-political, but that moves, that energy of what you do during the art. Could you describe to the folks your art, especially, because it's now worldwide and it comes from your people, the heart of the art, so to speak. The art is from the, the heart of the Maori people and the carvings that we see so similar, but yet it's distinctive. And someone would say, well, that's Anuku, that's still his style your time, your effort, and and the way your style is, is put into you know even recycling. You're making a statement by using recycling material. Also, can you talk a little bit about more about that art? Yeah. Okay. Um. A, a, as I said in the beginning, I'm I'm 57 years old now. So I was born
0: in 1964. I I, I was born. I, I was my, my, my parents were in the military. My mother's Maori and my father's uh, Scottish uh, German uh, German Jewish and Scottish. so I'm a kind of genetic cocktail, you could say and uh, and you know and my parents couldn't console themselves and they parted when I was four years old. This is you know the 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 kind of uh, the the '60s, the 1960s and, and in a and in a country like New Zealand, Aotearoa New Zealand back then uh, our these nation is half caste. And that's are on the forms, you fill out your forms. You're half caste, and those days being half caste and being from a solo parent, I kind of had the double stigma. This was socially uh, socially unacceptable kind of person. It's a bit different now. It's it's not a, such a big deal as it was back then. I remember clearly. And so because of that stigma, I grew up with my grandmother and my senior senior uncles and aunts and villagers and that. So I grew up with them. So. Cause, because in our custom, the, the grandparents or the senior people, whoever, they have the right to say, oh, I'm going to look after your child. And you and you do. You know, we in that functional way, you you share the children. If some people don't have kids and some people have a lot of kids, then it's, and they're related, and say, okay, you can look after some of my kids. It's not really adoption. It's something else. It's just kind of extended looking after each other anyway. And so that's the world I was in and the village, right? And, I have strong memories of my early days. of You know, I, I remember seeing people from the nineteenth century. You know, they they were from the nineteenth century. They were from the eighteen hundreds. They were old and and they were spooky, you know. And they were they were from another another literally from another world, you know. We and you know and, and those those have lasting memories of me. And So I remember my my life before globalization. You know, I'm a pre-globalisation indigenous person, man. Made the transition into globalisation, but I remember the time before that. I remember the time when we were, you know, we were we were fiercely Maori, and and, and, and like I said, and, and and fiercely colonial at the same time. You know, that's the paradox. That's the, you know, this was before uh, the, the, this glo- glo- globalisation uh, invasion wave, like a tsunami comes on, you know, generated by the mass media of the United States and places like that, obviously. And so the world was quite there was just us Māori and the settlers. That was it. So I come from that kind of binary existence. And then like I said, we moved in, into the city and I saw what happened with the city life and how our our fabric of our traditional society started to to come apart at the seams. And, and then we had increase of um, the, the the side effects of that, eh? you know, like then we're all squashed in this place like sardines. And then we've got, uh, you know, um, alcohol, alcohol abuse, drug abuse, domestic violence, and, uh, and ultimately um, rise of urban gangs and all of these, all of these factors, you know, and then, and then at, and at the same time, after the Second World War, you know, there's a the people immediately after the Second World War, born then, they had gone and e- got gone and got university education and, and, and stuff like that. that. that's the generation just before me who armed themselves with knowledge and challenged the governments, government of the day for the the, the rights of our language, the rights of, the, of our lands, the rights of our customs. And they 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 became our hero. They were the people we I looked up to we looked up to them and they, they they were our inspiration. They guided us. And those people went actively to the old people and, and got us much off them before it was too late, you know. And, and, and the old people encouraged them and said, yeah, yeah, you do this. And you know what you have to do and all of that. And so in my generation of people born in the 60s and the 70s, we we grew up and we we wanted to identify who we were. So many of us chose the arts or the arts chose us. You know, we, we it chose us, it told us what to do, and we expressed our identity through carving and through painting and through weaving and through song and through the revival of canoe culture, of uh, the revival of uh, of our of our traditional music, of our the revival of our language and and you know the, 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 I feel I feel honoured to be part of that participation of that. So we we all had dreams, man. We all had dreams, you know. We dreamed about Maori radio. We dreamed about Maori TV. We dreamed about seeing our language on street signs and in, in the landscape. We dreamed about this because, because we were told as children in the 70s, under no certain terms, that our language had no value, that it was of no value, and and you assimilate or die, assimilate or perish. That was on. That that was the options, and we're like, no, no, there's we, we will um, engage, you know. We will engage. We will we will we will carry it all on our shoulders or in our arms. We will carry our entire culture on our back and our arms on our shoulders, and we will never let it fall on the ground, and we will never turn our back on it. And that's how I feel, that's how I feel about my art practice. That I have never turned my back on on those things that are. Uh, have been handed from um, our ancestors, you know, and I've never put it on the ground in the dust and I've never turned turned my back on it and it's looked after me. It's looked after me through and it's taken me to meet you and so many people. In time, I, I started to say to myself, well, you know, it spoke to me as well and I said, look, uh, you're not a photocopy machine, George. You're gonna to have to show the gods and the ancestors something they haven't seen before. And so I started making the, the ancestors and the gods out of plexiglass and 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 plastic bottles and and styrofoam and 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 challenging tradition. But but in doing that, I say I'm an int- intensely traditional person. You know, I, I'm because what I'm saying is that I want to take the old and make the old new like make the old and the new eyes of today so that it's old, but it's new at the same time. That's what it tells me to do. Not to be afraid to be like that and to just dare to be it and, and have this grounding and this background of, of them before us. But at the same time, wanting to take it into across new oceans and and new, new, uh, new voyages, you know? And somebody like me, you reach the stage where you think that you must share these gifts. You must share them with everybody, man. You gotta it's funny, you you gotta you you almost see everybody as equal. It does that to you. It makes you feel like everybody on this earth is equal. And that, especially the young people, more than anything. They're 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 the number one, you know? That and they're all equal. And you want to give it to them all equally. You know, I'm sort of like that. I'm like that now. And, and it's it causes tension because to some people, you can be seen as kind of committing cultural treason, and your willingness to to give it, and they say, "Oh, George, you shouldn't give it all away to them." To account, plus the desire to wanna to share because because ultimately, Jokicson, to to put it simply, bro, I I see what we what people like yourself and myself and all the people we know, all the ones we meet in New York, what's behind all that intention, you know, we're trying to restore confidence, the restoration of confidence that's been damaged that, huh? you know, that we've been humiliated and we've been taught the, the systematic centuries of it, of creating the self-loathing, the self-hatred and the self-loathing and this low self-esteem and all the horrendous side effects that causes are huh? and how we, we turn on each other and this perverse power thing and we hurt each other, you know, and how... Okay, so we want to restore our confidence. And then I've discovered that's only half of it, man. That's only half of it. The restoration of confidence is only half of it. The other half is we gotta build empathy. You know, we gotta build empathy so that we can see through the eyes of the other, and the other can see through the eyes of us. And that's what propels me in this life and my art is is to contribute to this building of empathy because I feel that. It's so not present anymore. Daily, it, it's becoming less and less present, and the consequences are horrendous. You know how people are to each other and how people treat each other, and it's like you got to go inside somebody else's skin, or, or as the parkers say, be in my shoes, or whatever metaphor is 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 uh, deployed to say that thing of empathy of like you can't walk past somebody who's got nothing. And, and just carry on walking. You can't eat your sandwich in front of somebody who's hungry. You just can't. You know, it's it's an insult to our mother. It's an insult because she gives us everything without conditioner. You know, she don't give us a sixty-five percent sunrise. You know, she gives us a she gives a and to everybody. Even Mister Trump gets it all equally, man. She's like this unconditional mother. You know gives your love to us unconditionally and and we all know that feeling when we do something for our mother, we know what it does to our mother. You do something for your mum and go, oh mama, i just done this for you and you remember those times when and mum just grows and she's so so happy and well, it's the same for, for out here eh? our, our mother, you know, like I found my place in the world to contribute to, to, to this building of empathy.
3: And that's George Nuku, who's an artist from Aotearoa Maori Nation, and uh, he's coming at you on the station, and you are listening to First Voices Radio. Back to George Nuku. It's totally something to say that through it all, whatever came out of our struggles, your struggles in this case, George Nuku is one Maori living in one world, and that one world is how you say Mother Earth sees us. And when I'm thinking about how you say half-caste or is, is like the same here in the States and in Canada where it's a degree of blood. How much are you this? And, and, and to let go of that, we need to split ourselves up and to measure ourselves in order to be qualified for something. And I think it goes both ways. The, the more Full blood you are, they're they're trying to protect that. Yet those who uh, have a little blood, they're trying to say that they know about everything. But when you walk that world where you see that from the earth perspective, how she really cares for us unconditionally, like you say, you know, that's that's the seed of who we are. The empathy for the earth is the seed of our Hmm. indigeneity. And, and through our mistakes, as we know, we make a lot of mistakes when we have to live in that world. We grew up one way, now we live in this other world, and yet we see which one would benefit the earth. I often call people who take too much, those who take the cake and eat it too. Right. We have a word called washichu, that means takes too much. And that's what's making people starve in another place. Or maybe it's also a lack of knowledge of how to live with the earth. When my uncle would say, there's a way to live with earth and a way not to live with earth. And we choose the way of earth. And I think that defines our consciousness, our intelligence, because it comes from the bones of the earth, the elements, the water, the fire, the earth, you know, the birds, the plants. That's our intelligence when I see that. That's what I'm seeing in, in a true quote-unquote quote indigenous person, which is a colonial word, meaning the poor people over there. Indigent, genus, the poor race. That's all it means. So when people claim that, I often wonder if they really know the language you, that, that they're speaking, because I'm hearing that you understand the language and therefore you can understand how to translate that spirit that's true to the Maori people.
0: Yeah, well I, I I do say this, uh, you know, I, I work with young people all around the world in my art projects, right? And I, you know, I say to them, Look, uh, if you're gonna take anything in this world, the one thing you have to take and you take it with both hands, you take it, you grasp it, and that is uh, you take the care. You take that, you take that care with your two hands, you grab it and you hold on to the care and you take it and you and you take it with with all your all your all yourself when you take the care, right? and that makes you a caretaker. You know, you are, you are taking the care. You take mm-hmm. care of you take care of each other. You take care of all the people in your classroom. You take care of the others, and you take care of uh, the that business. And you take care of everything you do. And and coupled with that, if we're gonna pay for anything in this world. You pay the attention, <laughs> and you yeah. pay it in full. You pay yeah. full attention. Mm. That's what the old people say to us. You know that, tilkerson They ra- they drill us men. They say, "Pay attention, pay attention. Open your eyes, open your ears. Pay full attention. You'll learn so much. You know, and and take care of with of, of everything you do in this in this mm-hmm. journey, this life. Take care of every." Take care of the details. You know, take care. Take care of what you're thinking. Take care of what you're saying. You might have to eat those words. They better be sweet yep. when you eat them, man.
3: Right, right. that's right.
0: <laughs> yeah. And uh, those those are just like things that people seem to have. Maybe uh, you could say a kind of a, 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 a temporary amnesia, mm. you know, and that. We to, to, and, and and the Maori and the Maori way of looking at things, you know. Like I told you, man, I'm a half caste. There's there's many terms to describe me, right? Métis, mulatto, half caste, half breed, hybrid, mutant, all of these things, right? You know. So I even I've even got two def, within me two conceptions of time and space, man. On my on my German Scottish side, there's a there's a conception that time is linear, and I'm walking into the future on this line, and the past is behind me. And then on my Māori side, my Māori universe tells me, no, nah, no, nah, George, you're walking in a spiral, and you're walking backwards. So you're walking backwards, so the future's behind you. As you're walking backwards into the future, it's behind you. And as you're walking backwards with the future behind you, the past is directly in front of you. Mm. You're facing the past, walking backwards into the future, and as you do that, the past is unfolding in front of your very eyes to form your present reality. So that means if the future's behind me, then the future's something, it's a memory, because it's behind me. The future is based on remembering that we can remember the future. And if we can remember the future, remember, that means it's just a case of we already know. It's just like rethinking your library card re-updating re your life you know you're already a member you're just re to bring it up to date you know we're just and when when i met you and we meet people from those or, origin place origin worlds cultures right we know this because our, our, our genes and our dna vibrate to each other you know we remember each other man we remember. us like wow, I haven't seen you for ages. <laughs> 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 wow, it's good to see you again. And and everybody feels that, don't they? They feel like they've known someone before. Or we, we evoke memories. Uh, you, you must. We must admit it. All of us men, that we're all lost, trying to get home. We're all of us. We're all lost, and we're all trying to get home. And let's look at the trees and the plants, for example. They they're showing us the way. When they grow away, they're returning to the to the source, man. They're returning home. We don't really say, I'm going home. We say, I'm returning home. And the plants give us the best uh, example because they return to our first creation memory. It's built into them like it's built into all of us. Our first creation memory was when we can remember we were the light of stars. That Our first creation memory that's encoded in us all that we are the light of stars. And so we're just going home. All of us, we, we're returning home. It's it's whether we're a fish or a, you know, or, or a plant or a human being or a mammal, whatever, we all come from that first creation memory. And I work with these young people, and I say to them, look, man, um, uh, we talk about plastic, right? We talk about plastic, and I say, uh, God, where does the plastic come from? And they go, oh, oh I don't know, hang on. Um... Oh, is it? oh, it comes from uh, petroleum, eh? Yeah, petroleum, petroleum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where does that come from? Oh, uh, hang on, when we talk about it. It comes from the oil, oil. Yes, oil. Where does oil come from? And they scratch their head and go, "Come on, come on, work it out." Oh, it comes from deep, deep down in the ground, uh, deep inside mum. That's right. Comes deep from the ground. Oil comes up. How? How? What's oil from? What? What, what makes oil? We work it out, eh? Oh, it comes from all oh, the bones of all the dinosaurs and the very first forests and millions of years of, of layers of of time and, and pressure and creating this creating this oil. So, yeah, that's right. So, all of that makes that plastic bottle in our hand, right? We go, yeah. So, that means this plastic bottle's millions of years old. Yeah. And they go, yes, yes. It's millions and millions of years old. Older than us, eh? Yeah. So, In a way, this plastic bottle is like our ancestor, right? You know, it's like our elder. And they go, yeah, 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 they they go with me on that. Yes, like our elder. So we need to treat our elders with more respect, don't we? So this plastic bottle that we hold every day is probably the oldest thing you could ever hold in your, you know, it's so old, right? And they go, yeah, yeah, it's the oldest thing. And I say, yeah. But at the same time, it's the newest thing. So it's both the oldest thing and the newest thing. In the one breath, in the one heartbeat. And they and they get that, and they go, yeah, okay, yeah. And I go, and that's the same as you young people. I say to them, You're older than me. You're older, man. You're you and all of the ones before you. That makes you older than me. But you're newer than me as well. So you're just like that plastic bottle. You're you're the oldest and the newest, and and you're your that plastic bottle is so a reflection of you. It's shiny, you know, it's bling, it's it's transparent, it's translucent. It's so mo- old, modern, and it's so ancient like them. And everywhere I go in this world to do my projects, those are two things I see, bro. Plastic bottles everywhere and young people everywhere. These things come to me because the plastic tells me, tells me to say these things. The plastic says to me, George, help to do your part, George, so they can see, so they can see the plastic bottle and, I mean, I would be if I could just like pluck my eyes out of my head, take my eyes out, and put them in people's eyes, then then they would see what I see with the plastic. But I, you know, I I do that with my art, so so we can get closer to this this thing. We can get closer to it, eh, you know, because at this moment we are we deny it, we deny this uh, this situation, man. We deny it, and then with this denial comes indifference. We're indifferent to it, so we go. Oh, it's not. It's too big for me to do anything about, or, oh, it's not my problem, or you know, oh, someone else's job. And it's and we become indifferent, and we come in and and then we become used to being indifferent, and then we can be indifferent to any everything and anything, of all things that. Oh, it's nothing to do with me, and I'm just going to carry on my convenient world, you know. And that is one of the things that I see in front of me is this this indifference. And how how like we were, talk, we were talking earlier about empathy, and how so I take I take this plastic bottle and I and I say to kids like you know how does this plastic bottle get in the ocean, and they're like they look at me and I go does the plastic bottle throw itself in the ocean, no of course not who how does it get in there humans put it in the ocean yeah Yep. how do we stop humans from putting it in the ocean and I say look one way if we turned around and said. This plastic bottle's worth 10000 US dollars. Oh! We'd be hanging on to it. We wouldn't let it go. We'd be hanging on to it. We'd be like taking good care of it and making sure it's safe and, you know, thinking about it and all that and paying people to protect it and blah, blah, blah and all this because we know that money is a dominate, dominant source, measurement of value in our world. So, so I'm saying, okay, but it's not the only value. It's not the only way to measure value. So we make, we we uh, we take this thing that is nobody wants to look at—the pollution, the trash—and you you create intense beauty from it with your imagination, with your potential. We can create create intense beauty, and so it goes from the thing that nobody wants to look at to the thing they can't take their eyes off, bro. Like a Ferrari, like a diamond ring, like a beautiful man or woman, and they because beauty is a universal thing, right? And beauty's everywhere. There's beauty in everything. You can see it if you just open your eyes. And so we can we, we can do this thing where we can turn it around. So I start saying that it's a treasure, bro. I start saying, look, at because let's look at it like a treasure. Let's look at it like a discovery. Let's look at it like discovering and treasure. And, and because hating on it, being denying it, abhorring it, being indifferent to it, it's not working. It's not working. It's yeah. not, working.
3: It's not you, working. You hit on a very key energy there, where I, I'm seeing this as the Earth is treating us equal, as you say. It shines yeah. on everybody, and so where is the language? In my language, a the local language, there is no word for domination, because if we have domination, then then we cannot communicate with all life forms. Because those life forms are equal to us. But when we are over them, we're talking down at them or up up at it, right? Mm. So in these languages, when I'm I'm traveling the world, I'm finding a lot of indigenous people's languages are similar without domination. So we can't think hierarchically. We can only think like, um, you know, a son or a daughter is no longer a son or daughter. It's your younger brother and younger sister. And so, therefore, oh, yeah. you have to teach them, treat them, show them like the earth shows us, because we can never teach Earth lessons. Earth is always teaching us lessons. So in 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 a way to go out with this in a couple more minutes, George's, the language of Maori, you spoke about about it earlier, how important that is, was, is, and will be in order for us to to see the world as you do in in the relationship and the inequality with all life and even seeing something so negative in one way, the binary system, but yet seeing it as something we can can change the energy of it and use it properly. You see where I'm going with that?
0: Well I, I know in, in the Mori culture we got many stories. We got stories of of what people did to create changes of what what people did and and how by their actions, what, what the things that they did to go and get certain things and, and make our life into what it was then tells me that even from the very first moments, we were always redefining ourselves even before the colonization and all that, even before that we, we, and you could almost say that, that the the, the redefinitions are almost like, you could say they're a daily occurrence, man. We are constantly redefining ourselves and, and, we have to own that, you know. We can't be seen to be less for that, or 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 making or or making ourselves feel less, or look, or judging the other as less for that. That we are always going to be re- redefining our our way of life. You know, I, I take that approach and. Um, I say to people, you know, with all due respect, I say, uh, hey, guys, don't worry. It'll be traditional by this afternoon. And uh, I, I got enemies for saying that, and I accept that. And and so I say to myself, well, George, uh, nobody said this was a popularity contest, brother. You know, and if if you're brave enough to wear your heart on the outside, as we say, mano anui, or in, Francais, in French, they say, Courage. You know, I love this word in French, you know, courage, courage, heart, courage, having the, having the, what it takes to take your heart and wear it on the outside. And how this bravery can be, in some ways, give other people the auto-permission to to do to, to be brave as well. And like Nelson Mandela said, it's the thing that people fear the most is not the darkness, it's the light. It's the light, man. You know, they, when you stand in the light, you can't just present only parts of yourself. All is revealed, right? The people see all uh, in the community. They see all, even when you're trying it on. They see it all, especially the old ladies. They're the best at it. You know, and uh, the aunties and the, and the grand grannies, they're, they're like, they're, you can't get it past them, man. And by standing in that light, you know, you risk all. Huh? And but but you give other by what seems to create an auto permission with others to do the same,
3: to step out of the shadows and 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 take your place in the light side by side. In in closing here, there is this thing that you you know we've said a lot here from the states because of the way we look peace with earth. Um, we we have accorded our language to find peace with earth because humans have not found peace on earth amongst each other. So the more we find peace with earth, the more we will be able to have peace amongst humans and other life forms because we speaking, we are speaking a language that's at war against the earth because we're taking, we're not giving. So when we yeah. speak in abundance, like you are, I'm feeling the abundance. That's coming from your Maori, your core, your heart, you say. You know, and and just a closing thought for our peoples because we are going to talk more in the future. I think
0: um, we were talking about these, you know, these uh, crazy people, right? You know, these uh, these dreamers, men. You know, these people that make things from the imagination, they from the inner, and they and they bring it onto the outer, whether it's a song or music or art or a blank, a woven thing, or all these things that this creativity that people do. right well, you know, like for people to do that they have to trust themselves they have to trust themselves first right to overcome the the shyness or the whatever it is to but they know they got to do it (laughs) they can't imagine not doing it you know it's just so strong it just desire to want to get it out of what it is that that they need to you know and we all have that and how it 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 you do it long enough like you and me and you you end up having this relationship with yourself that you trust yourself and so if you can do that then you can you're trustworthy <laughs> you can be trusted you know and trust is what's missing you know we don't trust we don't trust our neighbors we don't trust the government we don't trust the police we don't trust each other and and th- this trust needs to growing this trust taking these people who are crazy enough to to make the world turn, who you know, who work for mum and dad, who work for, you know, the CEO is mum and dad in heaven and earth. And, and because w- when we talk about this turning thing, don't forget that in the storm, in this seemingly chaotic storm, and the, the eye of it is, 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 is uh, calm. And we all know that when, and when we do what we do, and it, it seems chaotic, but inside we, we're calm. Because we're doing what we know we're supposed to be doing. And it produces, a, it, no matter how difficult it is, it produces a calmness and it produces its own stillness inside you because you know you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Helping the people, working with the people, helping our world, doing your bit, being true. It doesn't matter how hard it is. that's it, not coming into it anymore, how easy it is or how hard it is or inside you're, you're, you, you find peace. huh? By doing those things, people say, oh, how, how do we go and kind of find peace in, in ourselves? George said, Easy. Go and help people, man. It, it'll kind of get things moving. Trust me. You know, just go and do some stuff for other people. Without credit, without, just go and do it, man. And you'll be surprised what comes back. You just don't know. The thing about these gifts is that, that we talk about, uh, you know, they come from our mother and our father. They are the, they are the things that can't be regulated, man. They can't be uh commodified they can't be legislated they can't you can't predict what you're going to imagine tomorrow that is what's so scary and dangerous in a good way but but at the same time so exciting about us as people this potential that we have this potential because because the sky's the limit and there's no limit you know providing your heart is good providing you know it's if it is or not you better know you, you, you can unleash, unleash this beautiful potential and, and it makes a difference on the leaves and everything, man. It makes mm. a difference straight away. Those leaves mm. more shiny. Like you said, that, that's, that's real wealth. I tell you, man, everybody out there, this uh, globalization, I call it this globalization of mediocrity in the name of money. And it's resulting in two things, the retardation of thinking and a poverty of spirit. That's what's happening we we got to like take the cue from our mother who gives us one constant extraordinary moments. Every time we look at the sky, it's a one-off moment. It'll never be the same again. And then here comes another one-off moment. And, and it's been like that since day one. This, so the idea that we could be extraordinary, that's just ordinary with a bit of extra in the front. And then we could artfully and seamlessly join all these extraordinary moments together. And if we do that, then fear and doubt's got no place in the room. Fear and doubt, no, it's got no corner to hide in, man. It has to flee. There's no way for it to stick on us. You know, that's thats all I'm yeah. saying, brother.
3: Uh, that's it. You know, just to know that what you're doing and what I'm doing here, I'm feeling you're, you're, you're honouring the earth through your art, through your words, and just living that mystery. Kia, ora. And, Kia ora. and that was George Nuku who is an artist of Tiora of the Maori nation. I hope you got something out of it. I did. There are various indigenous peoples throughout the world, and this is part of First Voices radios, is to bring all the voices of all the continents on Mother Earth. Thank you for joining us. My name is Teoka Singh Ghost Horse. Give care. Oh.